Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So, today's episode is plan. Well, didn't really go to plan. And what I mean by that is there was an episode released this morning and it didn't go up correctly for whatever reason, the technology or whatever it may be. So, I see I make mistakes too. That happened. Uh, so, I have recorded an extra episode with Oshin Mulligan or Mully Gaines on, uh, on Instagram. And Oshin and I met at Elevate. We've been following each other for a while and I met Oshin and I know he listens to the podcast, which I'm very grateful for. But we spoke about, like, these episodes, this could have gone on for three or four hours, genuinely. So we talk about his story, his mental health moment, how therapy has helped him so much. We talk about stop exercising for fat loss. We start. We talk about losing stubborn body fat. We talk about failure and why it's actually a good thing. We talk around fuck circle which you'll learn about in a sec we talk about spoon theory we talk about mcdonald's experiment we talk about perspective we talk about a lot of different things and it was a really really amazing conversation an open and honest conversation that Oshin and i had as i said i'll have to do it again again with him because there's so much in there and he's actually challenged a few things uh for myself outside of things on i hate to how to change things so i think it's, it's really really cool to to see where Oshin's gone and where Oshin is going from what I've heard. So hope you guys have enjoyed the episode with Oshin Mulligan. Oshin, hey Oshin, how are we, sir? Not too bad. Good. Feeling good. <laughs> yeah, we we've been chatting for half an hour. We're kind of like we actually better probably start pressing record here. Yeah. <laughs> we get all the, the good news out before everyone else can hear it. Exactly, exactly. So Oshin and I met at Elevate, was it two or three weeks ago at this stage? Yeah, Jesus, time has flown. Yeah, it was elevated. I spotted you when I was doing the bar hang challenge. I was like, oh, Jesus, that's Shane Walsh Yeah, that's a big shiny head. <laughs> Hidden behind the sunglasses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the shit, the aviators on. Uh, <laughs> but it, no, it was it was really cool, that event, because it was cool to meet so many people that you kind of like you follow and kind of, it, it is Ireland is so small, but that industry is so small as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool to be like, you're part of a group of people that are like-minded. You're not kind of, it was the same thing as even just chatting to you for a couple of seconds, like, holy shit, this guy does the same thing that I do. Yeah, no, it was really, really cool. Um, and whoever doesn't know who you are, I don't know where the fuck they've been. Um, because I think you've got over 520 yeah. followers <laughs> on social media. It's mental. It's crazy. Um, and you've also started a new podcast and your mom has been on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so for anyone who isn't aware of who you are, Oshin, tell us, tell us your uh, X Factor story. This is the hardest fucking question. I hate this all the time. And it's a question I'm never going to ask my podcast anyone. Uh, <laughs> so who am I? So I always start back at the beginning because it's easiest then. And then you kind of know who I am from the back of that. But um, going to school, I was heavily bullied in school for being overweight. I was about 130 kilos. Um, and it was something I was always so self-conscious of. And I remember, like, particularly there was one moment where I was, like, in PE and I refused to take my top off because all the guys around me and I was so self-conscious about being overweight. Um, and then... Like, I remember all the time I was bullied about being fat and, like, I was told I was lazy, loads of different aspects. And my brother one day just came into my room and was like, Oshin, if you don't start doing something now, you're going to reach a point where it's going to be very difficult for you to lose weight. Because once you get over that way, it's going to be harder to move around. So you're going to have less energy. And so when he came in, he gave me supportive comments rather than talking down to me. He actually convinced me to go to gym. And I don't know if anyone listening has an older brother, but they're always seen as, like, this cool person that you just do anything with. You're like, holy fuck, he's so cool. So whatever he's doing, yes, if he asked me to do it, I'll do it with him. And I got to go with his friends as well. And they're the coolest people in the planet as well when you're younger. So I was like, yes. 
So I got up and went to the gym with him one day. And after that, I just kind of kickstarted my my health and fitness journey to working on myself. And I kind of fell in love with it for how it made me feel um, and gave me a little bit more confidence. But uh, through school, then I lost just coming towards the end of school. It was like sixth year. Uh, I had lost maybe 40, 50 kilos. Um, and I was actually meant to do architecture in college. I had it on my CEO. And then it changed uh, last minute. I was like, okay, I'm going to go do sports science because I want to learn about my body. I want to learn um, how to lose weight and how to help other people get through exactly what I went through with being bullied and um, losing weight and, and and getting healthier and fitter. So that's kind of my story, where I came from. Um, and I suppose my coaching aspect or where I come from, my coaching is like coaching from a place of understanding of having been there before and, and coaching people who are going through the exact same thing of what I went through before. But recently, my journey has taken even a bigger turn of uh, last year. I went through like a difficult patch with my mental health and stuff. Um, and it's something that I'm a lot more open on on my social media after experiencing because uh, my podcast is called I'm Not Supposed to Be Here. And one of the reasons it's called that is because last year I actually didn't think I was going to make it to the next day. And uh, yeah, it was one of the most difficult points in my life. And it's crazy how my life changed in six months because last year I was about 12 grand in debt with my coaching. Um, I pretty much came back from Spain, didn't have any friends because everyone had left for Australia or wherever. And I'd left with my girlfriend who I then broke up with and came back. And I remember feeling quite lonely. Like I, I just didn't think I was I was going to survive. It sounds so stupid to say it now thinking back to it. But uh, I remember I reached out to support with my mom, went to therapy, loads of different aspects, and they got me through it. But then my business took off in 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 December. I went from 5,000 followers to half a million, as we were talking about. And it's crazy how things can change in just a flash of an eye. And it just made me realize, like, imagine that things, I did make a pass last September. Or imagine I didn't, or I did give up. Like, I wouldn't be where I am now. So it's something that I'm trying to go into a little bit more to talk to people about or talk to other coaches about how important mental health is. And I always say it's like, Working on my mental health and working on that side of things gave me much more in comparison to counting my calories to ever did. Um, and it's something that um, I'm extremely passionate about now and extremely open about. I think it's something that we should all probably have conversations about, the tough conversations. <laughs> and thank you for sharing that, because I know you, the name of your talk that you did out of it was I really shouldn't be here. So, yeah, I know I can relate to an awful lot of what you've kind of said of like getting to that point where you're kind of like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Um. And genuinely, we wouldn't. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you if I hadn't gone to therapy in quarantine. Yeah. Like I had bought sleeping tablets. Yeah. Fuck. And I went. I heard a sentence from Brian Keane. I never listened to podcasts in my life, but I still have no fucking idea how I heard about uh, how I found this podcast. And on the sentence that he said was, "Stop caring what other people think." Literally, as soon as I heard that, I rang my dad and said, "I need to go to therapy." yeah and that's when that whole to everything changed it's crazy how like one sentence can impact you because there's there's loads of those little sentences as well that i've heard that have done the exact same thing for my own journey and like one of the things was like with my mom she's just it's, it's similar you'll be fine is what she said to me when i was really really struggling i remember i was sitting down on the kitchen table and i was crying my eyes out and i was like shaking with how much i was crying and she's like you'll be fine and the second she said that to me i was like holy fuck, I just feel so much better. And it was literally just one sentence. And I remember my dad, my dad was like, you're a gobshite. And that helped me just as much. <laughs> yeah, the, the old, uh, the, 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 the Irish mommies have a certain way and the Irish dads have a certain yeah. way. <laughs> a combination of both of them helped me. So I wasn't yeah. like my dad saying that didn't have what you did. I was like, yeah, I am. I am a gobshite. We're all gobshites. Like, I just think, yeah, it's it's funny how one small thing that you can hear from someone can change your whole entire life or can change your whole outlook on things. And how important was the, uh, how long did you go to therapy for? So I've been going to therapy on and off maybe four years. 
So I, back in school when I was being bullied and stuff like that, my mom recommended me go across and I went across for a little while and then I kind of stopped. Um, and I, there, there's multiple different reasons why I stopped, but one uh, experience with therapy wasn't great and I didn't enjoy it and I kind of ended up running out of the room or whatever. And after that, I was like, I'm never going back again. But remember when I started therapy this time, I actually rang my man because I think the biggest step is starting and people think you have to have something wrong with you to go to therapy or you have to have something wrong with you to seek out help for your mental health. You actually don't. You, you can go, I go to therapy when I'm happy. I go to therapy when I'm sad. I go to therapy when I have absolutely nothing wrong with me whatsoever. But uh the reason I, or I was a little bit afraid to go back the second time. And so what I said to my mom was like, book me an appointment. Don't tell me when it is. Don't tell me where it is. And just bring me one day. And she called me one evening and was like, uh, Oshin, uh, we're going to McDonald's. And I was like, sick. Yes. Unreal. I got down and get McDonald's and I ended up outside an old fella's house to talk to me. <laughs> With therapy. Jesus, that could have gone wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very different type. Um <laughs> unique way to do it because I know from my own thing it was kind of like um my parents were like we knew we we knew how bad you were but we also needed you to get to where you wanted to go because they yeah. there was not if I I would have revolted they just knew the way I would take like I don't like being told what to do yeah and and I, think I, I think that's why I'm self-employed <laughs> yeah same as here i think that was me as well because the first time i'd gone my mom because my mom is a therapist she was kind of pushing me in to do it and pushing me to do it, pushing me to do it. so that's maybe why i didn't enjoy it as much and i just came to the realization myself it's okay i'll try it i'll give it a go i think it, there's a lot of fears of it as well because remember when i was first starting one of the things i was thinking about I was like what do i do if i go here and i don't know what to say and it's awkward and like when you're an anxious person that's like one of the worst things ever there's an awkward silence or you just sat in a room with someone you're like what the fuck or how do i speak to someone because i felt like i couldn't and that's part of the i'm not supposed to be here as well of like I actually had fully 100% convinced myself I could not speak to anyone. And that sounds so stupid here, but I had that story implanted in my head that like when I went outside, I couldn't speak to anyone. I couldn't ask for a coffee. I couldn't do anything. And so I got to that point where I just, I, I, I just recluse. I was just in my room essentially um, last year and I took small steps to get out at like, but IFS changed my life as in I went and it wasn't even the business talks or anything like that. I just, I just went and I spoke to people and I changed that story within my head over a period of time. It was just like, it's crazy how much it can change and how much we can tell ourselves little stories that don't even make sense. Like when I say I had myself 100% convinced I could not speak to anyone, I'm telling you, I could not speak to anyone. My anxiety was that high. And it was just from stories that's telling myself in my head. And I, I say this all the time. If I went to the doctors, they would have told me that I had uh, anxiety or that I had depression or whatever. And I would have found it very, very difficult to actually come out. I would have found it very, very difficult to make progress out of it. And it's something that I think probably needs to be looked at a little bit is like, if we diagnose ourselves with these things that holds us back even more so, because I, I, I actually would have had something then I would have been just like, Oh, I have it. There's nothing I can do about it rather than trying to take steps out of it right now. Do I get anxious sometimes? Yes. And I, I move forward through it and I try to battle them anxieties. And sometimes I get really bad with it, but it's just the small things like sometimes just getting up and having a shower is the step that I have or getting up and opening the blinds or getting outside for a few minutes and working on, um, say, my health and fitness goals for feeling better rather than just looking better. Because so many people come into health and fitness or try get into the gym or get into nutrition for the sake of just losing weight. But there's so much more to it. And that's definitely a side that I've been trying to push my coaching a lot more is like getting people to focus on how you're feeling rather than how you're looking and it is one of those things that does come across on your thing of like one of the big things that you kind of say is to stop exercising for fat loss yeah because a lot of people the first thing they do when they want to lose weight what's the first thing they do let's increase exercise (laughs) (laughs) and it's kind of like well it hasn't worked before it's kind of like there's a lot of multi it's very very it's a lot of other areas to it so can you say why we should stop exercising for fat loss 
Yeah, so there, I suppose there's a good few studies out there as well that kind of back the point of when we exercise, our body actually reduces our energy output for the rest of the day. So you're actually you're burning more calories in, in the session, but then reducing the amount of calories that you burn throughout the day. And again, it comes down to calorie deficit when it comes to fat loss. It's just, again, the facts about it. So then your exercise actually isn't really helping here. But if we actually focus on exercise, and, and this is another aspect to it. Yes, if you go out and run marathons and you, you do a shit ton of exercise, you're probably going to end up losing weight, but you'll end up fucking miserable if you're doing it for the sake of fat loss. People who run marathons or people who do these um, exercise feats that burn shit tons of calories do not do it for the sake of losing weight i can guarantee it because they wouldn't be arsed getting up off the couch to do it if it was that sake uh if it was for that sake um what people needed to be doing is focusing on doing it for feeling good or how they feel after what i often say to people is write down how you feel before your exercise and then exercise and write down how you feel after and use that as your motivation to go on exercise every time um and i think that that makes a huge difference to motivation because a lot of time when people are going to the gym for the sake of weight loss they're like i'm going to the gym because i'm fat and that is negative straight away. And it's something that you're not going to want to go get up and do. But if you're like, I'm not feeling great today and I'll feel really good after exercise, I guarantee you'll feel a lot more motivated to do so. And also you'll beat yourself up over not missing exercises less or not miss or missing exercise sessions less. Um, and I think it improves overall body image when we're not just constantly focused on how we're looking with exercise. It's something that I've massively noticed over the last little while is it's actually, even though I had lost a shit ton of weight, I still had a very poor relationship with my own body image and the way I was looking and be very self-conscious with always like pulling on my t-shirt for my lower stomach or checking how I look in clothes all the time and that changed for me when I focused away from bodybuilding training or resistance training a little bit for the way that I looked and rather how I feel so what I started to do is actually I started jiu-jitsu and now I go to lift my weights and exercise in the gym for getting stronger at jiu-jitsu not to get bigger biceps I do to get stronger at jiu-jitsu and how I'm feeling rather than getting a bigger chest or getting abs because realistically one, people that care about you don't really care about that sort of stuff anyways. But second of all, it motivates me to exercise a lot more and have a lot more positive body image because of that. And with that, I eat better. If I'm going to the gym and I don't get a big massive pump in my chest and I don't look as good and I'm going to feel shit when I'm going home, I'm way less likely to, to eat good for the rest of the day. I'm way less likely to have a more nutritious diet because I'll just turn to the foods that are easy, accessible. I'll feel more um, tired and down on myself um, and I'll likely choose um, the higher calorie options off the back of that and not kind of stick to what I kind of want to do so that's that's a massive aspect that I've learned over the last little while I think if people can implement that change they'll see a greater change in themselves it's a massive massive element of it it's like what you're saying is kind of like you're not doing it to change a negative of how you feel about yourself you're doing yeah. it as a positive I know sometimes when you do go into lifting the weights you're kind of like you kind of get that sore feeling you get that pump feeling you're kind of like you're checking yourself in the mirror and stuff we all yeah. do it like we're not mm -hmm. immune to it but when you've kind of changed the mechanism behind it of kind of like, well, it's actually to get stronger in doing this. There's, it 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 actually probably eases the pressure you're putting on yourself and actually takes a little mm -hmm. bit more enjoyment because you're like, well, I can see how much stronger I'm getting by being able to, I don't know, flip someone over or to, yeah. to wrestle someone down. Like there, there's a lot. I know the terms are not right. I apologize. <laughs> it's just everywhere. Um but it is one of those things. It's like me with the football. It's kind of more for a functional element of it and actually just to kind of like feel good in clothes more than to to, to see what you could look like. How often do you actually wear no clothes? And how often do other people see yeah. you with no clothes on? This is it. Yeah, and it's such a hyper-focus. And I feel like the more that you look at yourself and the more that you're constantly looking at your biceps in the mirror, looking at the way you look or looking at how big your ass is, the more critical you're going to be of all of it. <laughs> so it's just like... It, 
Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. And we, and often when people are saying, oh, I want to, to lose weight or I want to look better, it's actually not looking better. It's looking like someone else. And that's never going to happen because a lot of people that come to me for coaching, like, oh, I just want to look better. I want to, uh, I want to, I want to look a certain way. And whenever I ask them, it's like, oh, what do you want to look like? And it's like this person on Instagram, or I've seen this video here, I've seen this. So you're actually never going to achieve that because you're never going to look like someone else. Even if you lose all the weight, me and you, exact same size height weight whatever and we are in the exact same calories we would not look the exact same by the time we had lost weight we've different muscle structures um origins and insertions and all this sort of stuff so we're always going to look different to someone else and that's never going to happen i think that's a massive thing to get across to people too because that hyper focus on your own body is only creating negatives well unfortunately it is so right but i think a lot of people forget like i think a lot of people think it's only in females but i think for males as well it's it's really really high i think eating disorders went up by like 70 percent in males from covid um mm-hmm. but I, I think people so say just eating disorders and body dysmorphia and stuff like that with females unfortunately but mm-hmm. it, it is in there with with lads as well because if you think about it like if you open up your feed right now or your grid what are you seeing what are you yeah. what are you opening up your phone to first thing in the morning what are you looking at aimlessly during the day what are you looking thing last thing at night my guess is it's big booty betty and six-pack piece and no yeah. one think you need to conform to society's norm yeah and i think so many coaches struggle with that as well and so i've spoken about within coaches um and it's not something i've really experienced i don't know why i just never really have compared myself to how i look in our my coaching isn't like with my top off all the time you'll never see a top of picture of me on my instagram i just don't yeah. do it. i don't really care for it but i think a lot of coaches can get caught up in that so those people who are actually posting these topless photos are um not that it's a bad thing again everybody uh-huh. you're welcome to celebrate your hard work if you want but i actually think a lot of those people are really struggling with their body image and they need to get that what i just say encourage not encouragement but like the likes on the picture that to make them feel good or to make them feel better with how they're looking and those people who are posting those pictures are actually probably the most self-conscious and everybody thinks that they look unbelievable and that they're these most confident people because that's the side that they put out on instagram but i know from even working like i've worked with which is crazy to say a, a, a supermodel before right most best looking one i've ever seen in my life <laughs> which is crazy but so so unconfident how she's looking and so so unconfident different things and you would think by looking at her or looking at the things that she's done she'd be super confident it's actually these people that you think actually don't majority of them don't feel too good in their bodies or actually are always in the gym and working hard on themselves because they have no confidence in how they look or anything and so i think moving the focus away from how you're looking to how you're feeling is massive it's interesting what you said about supermodel because i find when clients are like very good looking clients I find they're the ones that struggle the most with kind of like the comparison element or the the picking out little things because they almost can feel a certain pressure that they should look like this and should be like looking like this all the time. And if they don't look like that, they feel that they won't fit in or whatever, maybe because they're known as the good looking person. They're known as the fit friend or whatever it may be. And I've, I've definitely found that with clients in the past of when they are perceived as very, very good looking is that they can struggle the most with how they feel when it's when the reality is as you said brilliantly was if obviously and i went into the gym together did the same workouts and did it consistently for like six to nine months and ate the same amount of calories we both look very very different mm-hmm. for sure yeah um, and i think people need to realize that and accept that as well um one thing that people can really struggle with is losing kind of like the stubborn kind of belly fat mm-hmm. element that's losing stubborn fat i think you were talking about there yourself when you're kind of like I think we all have these areas in our body we're kind of like we kind of for, for lads in particular can feel around the stomach when you're kind of pulling out your t-shirt and stuff mm-hmm. um how can people lose kind of like that stubborn body fat because i think uh, i think your video is a 
pretty blunt, but we might go the last <laughs> blunt option. I, 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 can't re- I can't remember that video now, but in general, you, you can't choose where you're going to lose belly fat. You can't choose where you're going to lose body fat. Again, it's just consistency over a long period of time. I think, like again, the more you focus on those areas and the more that you're like always pulling at your t-shirt and always looking at yourself, the more self-conscious you're going to become of those areas. So I think, like again, what I would say to people is create a long-term thing. Create something that you're going to do for a long period of time. And if you're constantly critical on yourself and critical on the way you look, you're not going to keep it up over the long run. And so for you, it would be find exercise that you enjoy, do that form of exercise that you enjoy every single day if you can, or depending on what type of training. Obviously, resistance training, you need your rest and recovery. But for something like walking or um, cycling to a certain extent and stuff like that, you can pretty much do those every single day. And I would recommend just getting out and doing something that you enjoy. And then over time, if you're within the calorie deficit, you will lose uh, fat from the from the stubborn areas or, or wherever you're going. And it does take consistent uh, time. And generally, the place that you want to lose body fat first is the place you lose it from last. So stomach areas, generally, everybody wants to lose it straight away. Um and yeah, it's generally the fucking last place that you lose it. And I think as well, like to kind of put on that is like everyone kind of chases a six pack or the abs. Every time I've ever had a six pack or abs, I felt like shit. It just doesn't suit my body. It's not easy for me to maintain. And again, that's different for for everybody. Some people it is easy for them to maintain. It's something that they can keep up. Um, but for me, it wasn't. And actually, often when I get a six pack or get really lean, because for my jujitsu competitions, I'd have to lose a significant amount of weight, and I I do get quite lean after that. I rebound and binge quite a bit. And the reason that is because I'm just pushing my body to the extremes with really low calories, a huge amount of exercise, and it's not fun. And I feel like shit. And if I'm feeling like shit, what good is looking good? Because again, no one really gives a fuck for an Ireland it's fucking cold half the time or for anyone that's abroad like what percentage of time do you spend with your t-shirt off or your clothes off it doesn't really make a difference so i think that aspect and the more emphasis that you put on the way your body looks the, the worse it's gonna get how much would you have to drop for your competitions uh jesus so for the last one i went from 85 to 74 and i did that in a period of I would like to say two weeks, three weeks. It was pretty bad. So <laughs> that's awful. That's yeah. as bad as when Evan was on the podcast. Yeah. It's not something that I'd recommend to anyone. But again, I'm not doing it for the sake of looking a certain way like that. I, I would guess that if I was doing it for that aspect, like it would probably turn into an eating disorder. It was something that I'd probably keep up over a long period of time. I know it's very short term when I'm going into it. I also have a lot of guidelines. So like I get my uh, jujitsu coach to kind of look over everything, make sure everything is all right. So I'm not just doing it myself because I can push things too hard myself because I get like hyper focused on stuff. But uh, I did feel like absolute shit. And part of that is I would lose a significant amount of water weight the two days before the day before as well. And going into compete after that, sometimes I'm better off not cutting the weight. Um, So it just depends. Like it depends on kind of your body structure and stuff so i wouldn't recommend anyone go lose 10 kilos in two weeks because you'll feel like shit doing so and likely actually you won't keep it off for me i rebound so i after competition i think it was 74 the day of competition weighed in the next day i was maybe 76 and then my weight came back up to around 85 after or 84 after please that please don't try that at home yeah and i lost and this is the thing some people would see that as uh successful fat losses oh ocean lost 10 kilos he successfully lost weight successfully losing weight isn't just losing weight it's keeping it off right over a long period of time that's how you're going to get the health benefits i do believe actually fluctuations in weight massively down and then massively back up is more unhealthy for you than just maintaining a higher weight so you're better off actually just maintaining a higher weight than massively dropping your weight down massively skyrocketing your weight back up and that's not successful fat loss successful fat loss is bringing your weight down to a certain point and allowing your weight then to stay in around the same and when i say sustainable fat loss your weight will never stay the exact same number it comes up down it'll come back up and it'll fluctuate two or three kilos either direction of that and that that's what I would class as successful. So for anyone that has done the typical diet, I won't mention them here in case we Let's all get do it. Who cares? <laughs> 
the Slim World cunts, I always call them out. People always come to me and say, I've left, successfully lost weight with Slim World. You fucking haven't. If you've put it all back on, it doesn't work. And so that's the best thing to take on board as well, because people get that wrong all the time. In my opinion, you haven't successfully lost weight unless you've managed to maintain it. So when I'm losing 10 kilos, it's not me successfully losing weight. It's me losing weight to put it back on. Okay. And now, yeah, well, you've, yeah. But I, I really like the idea that you kind of said there about kind of like those fluctuations are, you're never going to stay the same weight. There are going to be those fluctuations. Yeah. Um, and that successful thought also of like being able to kind of keep it up, but being in around a range. Yeah. Really, really helpful. So, like, when people are kind of talking about weight loss, like, oh, it's great seeing the line go down, but it's ultimately not even what the line you want to see going down. It's validation for your efforts. So, when mm-hmm. that number goes back up, you're like, well, not getting validation anymore so i might as well stop doing what i'm doing that's yeah. what the brain kind of tricks you into it's like you're just looking for a downwards trend you're not even looking for a number people say well i'll be happy when i'm like 70 kilos like when was the last time you were 70 kilos and they're like well i was in my teens or before kids i'm kind of like were you happy then it's like no okay so you've got proof that you still weren't happy no matter what weight you were so there's obviously other deep-rooted stuff going on you were felt more comfortable back then maybe you were getting more validation for what the way you looked or your clothes or you're getting the ride more whatever it may have been but it's not about the weight it's more about how you feel and it's 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 important what you said there about right that extreme that you've done you wouldn't recommend it like it's when it's the same thing with boxers and stuff like say Kay Taylor's going to fight she'll probably lose a decent amount of weight going into that fight but mm-hmm. she also has the aftercare to kind of rebound herself afterwards, where you'd like mm-hmm. to hope. And I know Evan has spoken about it before as a jockey, putting on the heat full blast in the car with the bin bags on and nearly fucking crashing the car on the way to races just to get onto a horse. Crazy. It's like it should it should it should actually not be allowed and this is the aspect so people are wondering why i actually do it so if i actually don't cut weight i'll be going in against guys who are like walking around 100 plus kilos and so i'm actually more at risk if i go into a jiu-jitsu competition against a guy who's 100 plus kilos than the risk of cutting weight <laughs> so because if, if i'm against a guy that that's 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 the way he could literally just throw me around the place um and and that's where it becomes difficult it becomes the the risk versus reward for me but what you're touching on there with the with the how you're feeling and and, and where you looked i think a lot of people get upset over like putting on weight or like being heavier than they were a little while ago and i think that comes from being very hard on themselves or seeing that seeing putting weight on as being lazy or again a negative connotations to it sometimes we gain weight because we've gone through stressful situations and for a lot of people food is a coping mechanism the exact same way as drugs and the exact same way uh, alcohol is as well um and food is just part of that so which of the three would i rather would i rather would i rather food drugs or alcohol i would choose food every single time so it's not necessarily a bad thing but there is other aspects that you can change there is better avenues like using exercise as a form of helping you feel better so i think for people who have gained a significant amount of weight maybe they've had kids and all this sort of stuff recognize that your circumstances have changed recognize you have more people to look after in your life now than you did before recognize maybe you've gone through a traumatic event recognize maybe you had poor mental health and this is why you have uh, maybe put on a little bit of weight and we focus on those things then we can actually come to a better solution because a lot of people are eating like shy because they feel like shy it's not got anything got to do with calories and it's focusing on that of okay the actual issue here isn't isn't my calories it isn't any of this it's i'm feeling like shy and then i'm overeating my calories so why would i focus on calories first if feeling like shy is driving my overeat why would i focus on my calories first focus on feeling better first and then from there we can work on it's like working on i i made i made a video and i can't exactly w- describe the way that i uh, that i said it it's like your car right your engine is fucked 
And so you just decide to replace the tires. It's like, fuck no, just focus on the engine. And the engine here is how you're feeling. And then, okay, when the engine is a little bit better, let's practice step focus on, on, on the tires, then I'm focusing on the calories surrounding that and the other aspects of it. Because again, the basis of fat loss, yes, is the calorie deficit, but we want long-term sustainable stuff here. And like, for me, in my opinion, counting calories isn't long-term. Isn't something that you should do over a significant period of time. And I think coaches get caught up in that a lot. People get caught up in that, that a lot, that it's the only solution that you have to count your calories, whatever. For sustainable fat loss, we need to work on the other things, the positive habits, the good things to be doing in order to sustain a calorie deficit without counting your calories and learn from counting your calories of how many calories in this food. Uh, look, this food is higher calorie. Like granola, for example, is something that I didn't realize was so high in calories until I started counting. There are the things that we want to pick up on from calorie counting. It's not that we want to rely on it. We have to use this app for the rest of our lives. It's moving away from that over time. And so figuring things of, okay, I eat when I'm stressed. How do I cope with that? What do I do now when I'm stressed instead of eating? And I replace that with something else or find something else. And for a lot of people, it's just recognizing that once they recognize that, they make significant strides towards their goals and progress a lot more than, again, focusing on calories everywhere. Yeah, when you were talking very early on, you know, we were talking about off air and stuff like that, you, st- you strike me as someone who's very self-aware. And I think that's because of the work that you've done from a very young age on yourself. Mm-hmm. And the fact that what you've kind of just said there about like, if... If you're feeling like shite and you're eating like shite and it's not helping you and when you feel better, you tend to eat better as well. But a lot of people have don't know how to be, don't maybe not have the self-awareness that a lot of people maybe want or they may not have the emotional needs being met or they may not know how to deal with their, or they might be emotionally avoidant because it's too uncomfortable mm-hmm. or they might have that kind of element that they've never been taught how to deal with their emotions. So like, when people are saying to me, like, I want to lose weight, it's like, well, what's the main reason? What's been the director behind it? What's been the directive behind it? Like, well, I've tried X, Y, or Z diet, but like, okay, well, what's the reason why we've put back on the diet? What's the reason we put back on the weight, should we say? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of yeah. like, well, have you ever actually, has any approach that you've ever looked at, ever addressed your habits, your beliefs, your behaviors? And they're like, no, okay. But you sometimes they get buy-in straight away as like I wanted to work on those. I'm kind of like, but they're slow approaches, but they're mm-hmm. also going to be quicker than what the approach that you were taking right now. You could have taken 30 years to get to this point to reach out for help. But it's taken this could take you six to a year, six months to a year to address these things. But that's mm-hmm. still 30 times less than where you are right now by going for those quick approaches. Too many people go for these really, 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 really rigid, mm-hmm. like aggressive diets thinking it's going to and these extremes thinking it's going to solve their issues it's yeah somewhere in the middle yeah and what you're t- talking about there of like uh the failure aspect is, is is look back and reflect on why things are happening essentially what you're doing there with like chatting to your client and asking them like what's going on here what didn't work about the previous diet is a lot of people in their heads or with anything in life whether it be business whatever failure is too scary we're not going to look at we're not going to look why it happened we're either going to give up or we're just going to fuck off and pretend it didn't happen right both those are probably just as bad as each other. When it comes to failure with dieting, with business, whatever, if you look at it, reflect on it and understand why it happened, you can prevent it from happening again. You can actually make progress. So I always talk about with my weight loss times, I'd actually call it the fuck circle, which is funny. You, you, you fuck up initially, then you reflect. So you look at why you fucked up, then you learn and then you make progress. And so it's a consistent cycle of that fucking up doesn't stop. That continues on. You actually just fuck up on a bigger scale, likely. And um, so you fuck up, you uh, you reflect on it, then you learn and then you make progress. And that continues, that continues, that continues because you're never going to stop fucking things up. And if you reflect on it, you look at the big scary thing that is failure or I put back on my weight or I did this and you understand why that happened. 
it's less likely to happen again. You're going to make more progress than you did before. And that's what we're looking for. So for a lot of people with weight loss, we're actually looking for you to fail. If you came to me for coaching and you got everything perfect and you were an ideal client where you just lost weight every single week, you're not going to fucking learn anything. So what's the point in paying me? You could just do that by yourself. All you need was someone in your ear talking to you. Get your, get your mother or father to do that for you. Get someone else to do that for you. But that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to teach you. And the only way I teach you is if you fuck things up. If you're making mistakes, that's what I'm here for. As a coach, that's what I do. And so it's like, your mistakes or you not losing weight is a good thing because now you're learning or you putting on weight after your holidays is a good thing because now we understand that water weight um, is a factor and that's going to drop down really quickly or you putting on, on on weight and getting really upset over the scales coming up close to your period is a really good thing because now we know that that happens and once you learn all these aspects and once you fuck up as much as possible and you have a coach or you have someone to reflect on that weight you're going to make lots of progress and not only lots of progress you're going to make sustainable progress because then whenever it happens in the future you can always think back to it's almost like Ushin or Shane sitting on your shoulder you can be like okay, yeah, that, what did Ushin tell me the last time that this happened? Okay, yeah, okay, now I just go and do that. And you've learned. And so it's by fucking up that we make progress and we learn. People think that, oh, I'm going to sign up to a weight loss program, I'm going to sign up to whatever program this guy has and it's going to solve all of my issues. It's going to make everything better. It's like any business coaching that we would have done just because you pay for a program just because you pay for something. Doesn't doesn't make it with all my videos that I have on Instagram. I went through periods of working in 200 views on my on my videos. I went through periods of getting 800 views on my videos. And the only way I got to get a video to hit 10 million or 12 million and, and loads of other aspects and grow my following is by looking up and wondering why nobody wants to watch my videos. Why are my videos shit? Why is this happening? And for people, that's scary because like, I don't like looking at me when I shit. I only like looking perfect. I only like when things are going correctly. Like when things are going wrong because if things are going wrong, you can learn from them, you can make progress. If everything's going right, you're not learning. You're not making progress anywhere. And so that's why reflection is super important and, and looking at thing, that thing of always looking back at it and that way you'll make massive, massive progress. For example, even my business last year being 12 grand in debt. Why was it 12 grand in debt? I moved away. I didn't think about things. I moved to Spain um, and I was enjoying myself maybe a little bit too much. And now I know going forward, it's like be a little bit smarter with your money going forward. Don't do coaching for free. I was coaching fucking, I think like 20 clients at the time for free for nothing. And it's reflecting on that and being like, okay, Ocean, in order to be able to help as many people as possible, you can't do that shit for free. I know you really, really enjoy your job, but it's not something that you can do for nothing. And I think sometimes weight loss coaches or coaches in general, especially in Ireland and stuff like that, it's seen as a voluntary job. It's seen as something that's just free, which is mad. Like a lot of even yeah. sports teams in Ireland would be like, oh, the coach is here on a voluntary basis. We have a rehab fella that's not getting paid and he's just here to support the team. Like they will put more energy into their job. You will be more successful if you actually get paid for what you enjoy doing. But it always relates back to that reflection thing. If you didn't reflect, it wouldn't make progress. And I think that awareness piece and that reflection piece is generally where you're going to learn more, as you've said. Like if you are overeating in the evenings and you're kind of like, well, I, I sometimes I almost have to let clients trip over. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're failing. It's kind of like, well, I have to let you trip over. And they're kind of like, well, why'd you let me do that? And it's like, well, you fell when you learned how to walk and you got back up again and you're fine. So this is going to exactly the same thing. People are afraid to almost have this fall or this trip over because they're ultimately thinking that they're not allowed to do it. But like you, mm -hmm. when you learned how to walk, you fell over and you got back mm -hmm. up again. You fell again. You got back up. That's life. There's going to be these ups and downs. For me, it's kind of like, well, if you are overeating in the evenings, look back and reflect, right? Ask yourself the question, did I eat enough today? Probably not. Did yeah. I have enough protein in my meals? Probably not. Did I sleep well last night? Probably not. Are you on your menstrual cycle? Probably. So it could be all four of those or it could it be one or two of those. But if you check in yourself, because I know sometimes with clients who aren't tracking calories, I think about 70% of my one-to-ones actually don't count calories. Yeah. And with them, they sometimes they send like a food diary over and we kind of work on that. And I ask them the question, how would you reflect on that? 
And so sometimes at the beginning, it's kind of like they feel I'm trying to catch them out. I'm like, no, no, no. I want you just to kind of like remove that emotional attachment and kind of like that dighead comments that's in your head right now and actually use perspective. What could you have done differently here? Because everything we do is emotional. We go, I'm a shit person. I failed. I fucked this up, etc. But if we actually look with perspective and remove that emotional piece and step out like a lens, if you look at how many times you've overeaten in, say, a year, it's probably been probably realistically probably about 24 times out of 365 days of the year. And there's been 320 odd days where you've nailed everything else. People forget about that. So think of the bigger picture. But when I'm yeah. talking to my clients about kind of like getting them to review it, when they kind of remove that emotional element, it's like, well, I probably could have had, I probably shouldn't have skipped lunch. And you're like, okay, let's work on that tomorrow. And then they kind of like, well, that was so simple. I was like, most of the stuff, food is simple. Emotions mm-hmm. make it more difficult for us. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that part of like getting your client to reflect and review, that's learning for them that they're going to take forward. Meanwhile, if you're just giving them all the answers, you're probably likely not going to learn. I always relate it back to school. It's quite similar. Like, do you know the maths books that have the answers at the back? Yeah. And you just like go to the back, get the answer right. That's why I'm shit at maths. <laughs> I was so bad at school. <laughs> I'm so bad because I all, all I used to do is just go back to the back of the book and do it. But if I backed up the mistake, made mistakes in my homework, and my teacher was coming down correcting me, I would have learned a lot better. And so that's why I think that's a key aspect. And as you're talking about there, most times when they experience this, or like people wait, wait, lost instead of reflection, they just give up because they feel like they failed. And it's like that term of failure is something that you need to change because the only final failure in life is when you give up or you're dead, right? <laughs> when you die, that's the only final, final failure in life. Calling that a failure sounds quite bad, but that's the only time that you've ever fully failed because after that, you'll figure it out. So if you reflect on it, you'll figure it out. No matter what, if your business fails, you'll figure it out. My mom always says that to me because one of the biggest fears that I have is like, okay, I have this opportunity now where my uh, coaching has reached a point where I have 500,000 followers and I want to capitalize on it because I don't want to be this point where uh, I've let everything go and I'm, I I didn't help as many people as I wanted to help or I didn't get to this point. And so my biggest fear was like that fear of failure. And I was like, man, what happens if that happens? She's like, you'll figure it out. I can go back and work in Supermax. I can go and do something. So it's not failure until I actually pass away. And this is actually even relating back to the thing we were talking about, people putting so much emphasis on their, on their body and like a lot of clients and stuff we're going to get to a point 80 90 years old where we're not going to be happy with the way we look we're going to be looking like a sack of potatoes as i always say so if you have all of your emphasis on how you look and you are the person the main thing about you is how you look you're fucked when you get to that age you're just going to be so miserable and it's the same with even the online coaching aspect if i had all the emphasis this is why i always say i'm normal i will chat to anyone i don't care if you have 500 followers or you have 20 followers or you have a thousand followers we're all normal people and it's something that i'm so passionate about because if i put all the emphasis on how many followers they have and i'm above everyone else what happens if all my fo- i wake up and all my followers are gone in the morning and they could be who, is, I, who someone who i had a recently on someone had a massive following and their facebook got hacked and they lost like i think one million followers and if your full personality is attached to that you're fucked so for and, me oh, i'm not that alex crockford crock yeah i think that's his name uh okay. he lost his facebook his facebook got hacked and his Jesus. business and anything yeah but I've seen yeah. what happen with other people like that once they lose because people kind of forget like I think I've forgotten this sometimes like we're on we're renting space on social mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we don't own any of that no like that could go down tomorrow like we're at the, we're at the mercy of an algorithm yeah and that's something that I had to reflect on massively because when my following first blew up I was like this is unbelievable. This is who I am. I am the man with 500,000 followers. I am this. And especially with all the praise that you'd be getting, it's like all this. But I had to remove myself from it and be like, and, and one point that actually massively helped me with this is one of my long-term clients who I was working with for like two years, Mary, 
Um, she used to send me across all my videos all the time, commenting and tell me to to post them. But she actually passed away from cancer in May, I think. And I remember I sat down at her funeral and like I always say, like everything happens for a reason. The reason I because I was so so busy and I was like, fuck, I have to go to this funeral because I, I absolutely love the woman so much. And do you know when you build a good relationship with someone after working with them for so long? And I was sat down and I was listening, and just at the moment, I pictured the two of us where she was holding her weight plate with how much she lost. They were talking about the person she was and everything that she was doing. Not one time did they mention what work she did. Not one time did they mention ha- what weight she had on her or any of that. It was all about the person that she was. And at the end of the day, that's 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 the end. That's that's what we're going to be known as. We're not going to be known as Mary had a six pack. Mary had whatever. It's none of that. It's all the aspect of like what you are outside of it. And so to release the focus on your body image and, and the whole thing of my body is me and this is it. As I said, at 90 years old, that's all gone. So 80 years old, that's all gone. You may as well start focusing on other aspects of life, like feeling good. And that's going to matter much more when you're that age. And being functional, being able to get up off the chair and not have to have someone help you up in this aspect. Like that's, I know it's so far away, so it's so hard to get motivated when you think about that side of things. But I always think back to like, what am I going to do when I get to that age? Then I'm fucked if I don't have it. And that's what pushes me on to, to do better and feel better and focus on feeling better rather than the whole other aspect of things. It's quite a powerful message of kind of like, well, it's not on your tombstone. It's not, and you're going to be in your eulogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tyson Fury, one of the, I actually had it saved on my phone as the uh, first thing that comes up because I had it in my favorites and in my uh, photo album because I'd be posting stuff on Instagram and every time I clicked on it, then it'll come up first thing and I'd watch it. And I was like, you can't take anything with you. He was talking about his watches and cards and whatever, but how he doesn't really give a shit about any because none of it's coming with him. So it doesn't matter. And so we put so much emphasis on that. And that can sometimes hold us back. Like, imagine how much pressure would be on me if I was like all I am is 500,000 followers I thought that's all I am in life is this or all I am is I have a six pack there's so much pressure on me because if I lose that I'm fucked but meanwhile for me it's like I have my family I have my friends I have really close people and that's much more say beneficial to me than following ever will and that's something that's going to matter they're the people that are going to be at my funeral they're the people that are going to have my back through absolutely everything and that's what I focus on and focus on feeling better for them because I'll be a better person around them for that and just I think that that emphasis of, of fitness and health and everything is something I'm going into more and and this is what people forget as well and and it's another thing that fucking pisses me off with this industry is like the aspect of not being able to enjoy food sometimes, not being able to overeat sometimes, not being able to go out and enjoy um, meals out and stuff. Because I had, this is another aspect that hit me as well. I had another client who was with me and it was her birthday and her father had, uh, or it was her birthday and they were all having pizza together. And she was like, oh no, I'm not going to uh, have that pizza. I'm going to kind of move away from it. And she didn't want to uh, ruin her progress or not lose weight that week or whatever. And I remember at the time, I probably was a little bit more restrictive of coaching. This was a massive learning lesson for me. And she was like, okay, I'm not going to go there because I, if I sit at that table with all of them on my birthday and they're all having pizza, I'm going to be tense to eat. So I'm just going to go to my room. And her father didn't make it to her next birthday when I was working the next year after. And I was like, Fuck me. Imagine the regrets of that. And so many coaches will be like, oh, no, you're on plan today. You have a photo shoot coming up in a couple of weeks. This is more important, whatever. And really, it's fucking not. And the emphasis, what I'm focusing on here is like health incorporated into health isn't just how you look or isn't just your body weight. Your mental health is in there as well. Your social health is in there. All these other aspects all interconnect with it. And as health and fitness coaches or PTs or whatever, you fucking forget about that. And I think that's something coaches need to get into their head. For example, the McDonald's video I made the last day, go and look at the comments underneath that. I'm getting absolutely slated in the comments for saying people are allowed to have McDonald's or whatever. It's like, 
one of one of my fondest memories when I was younger is actually going and having McDonald's with my mom and dad in the car and having a laugh and having a crack. Like that's not only if we remove food, all right, we're going to lose weight, or whatever. But we're also removing that aspect from our life. So sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's actually more beneficial to our health than going at home and having a fucking salad. And so there's a lot more to health and fitness than just calories and fucking vegetables or whatever. Yeah, it's quite powerful what you've said there about. <laughs> Apologies for me getting so passionate, but I just no, but like, but it comes across. I never apologize for actually being a fucking human because, (laughs) because the one thing I would say is like, I've I've spoken, I've bought nearly 400 episodes of the podcast, and I speak to so many people and like been very, very lucky to have it. And everyone's different. And then, but it's also hard to jazz up protein, it's hard to jazz Mm. up muscles, it's hard to jazz up um, lipoprotein, like, it's, it's very hard to do it, but. The, the episodes that people relate more to are the client interviews and mm-hmm. when people who come on are actually having a story to tell and actually give a shit and yeah. i don't want to and, and please never lose that i think when you lose that you know you need to leave the industry yeah for sure um, or else there's something else going on but i think people worry too much about the mcdonald's people worry too much about the meal out or the case slice of cake like I've never, ever, ever, ever had a client get derailed off a McDonald's or a cake or or a slice of cake or a meal out. It's the actions afterwards that will get people derailed because they haven't changed their mindset. Yeah. Like if you can't incorporate them, like I've literally, because today's Wednesday, so it's kind of like clients now know, like, right, they've caught up on last week's feedback and now they're kind of heading into the weekend, right, trying to make plans for them. And you get the odd ones who are very early on in the journey of kind of saying, right, I've got a party on the weekend. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to have a salad beforehand. I'm like, computer says no. That is literally the worst thing you could be doing right now. I'm going to bring food with me. It's like, well, do you want to enjoy the party? Do you want to go out for your meal with your for your daughter's graduation or her? I think the Debs are on as well. I think so. Uh, and leaving certain parties and stuff. Do you want to be able to enjoy those? Like, well, go and enjoy them. Look at things from a weekly average rather than just these one minute detail in your whole week. When you overspend your money, what do you do? You adjust your budget for the rest of the month. The exact same thing with calories, if you are counting calories. But most people will focus on the restrictive element rather than what they can control, which is, can I win the next meal? Can I go back to what I normally can do? Can I go for a walk the next day? Like I mm-hmm. like I overate on, I got a takeaway after my match on Saturday and was at home for a barbecue on Sunday with my parents because I hadn't been at home I have from with my parents for a couple of weeks for dinner and I overate again. I was kind of like, I regret zero of this. One barbecue is a class and Saba is class. Probably <laughs> ate too much, but I was kind of like, Do you know what? I'm just going to go back, do my walks, go back to doing whatever I was doing. But it's freeing. People will focus now. I fucked this up. I might as well. If yeah. you have a flat tire, do you puncture the rest of your tires? Yeah. And yeah. people were like, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. It's like, well, let's let's use perspective again. You're using perspective there. Let's latch on to this. What can you do today? Well, I can go back to my regular meals. It's that simple. People yeah. like zone in on one potential fuck up. It's not a fuck up. What the fuck up is the decision afterwards. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> that analogy is so much safer than the one that I use all the time. <laughs> go on, give us your one. Analogy- the analogy that I use is like the toilet, right? It's like you piss on the toilet seat, you don't piss all over the bathroom after you literally just go back to pissing down the toilet bowl. And that just gets it straight and people tell people like, oh yeah, that makes sense, I don't. But for women, it's a little bit different. But for the lads that are listening, 
if you piss slightly off or piss slightly onto the toilet seat, you don't piss all over the bathroom. So it's the same with your health and fitness goals. If you go a little bit off track, you go a little bit wild with your calories in one single day, just go back to it. And and as you said, that, that thing of winning the next thing is, is massive because what happens when we go off and, and for a lot of people when they'd say have a meal out or or um say have food out it's that failure thing it's fear of looking a failure i fucked up here so i'm just going to give up altogether and if we remove that and we actually look at it or um just be like i enjoyed myself then getting back on track is a lot easier getting back to it the next day is a lot easier in comparison to beating ourselves up then it's like oh i'm doing so badly i'm all and you're only feeling guilty going into the next day and it's going to make doing anything even more difficult for you so i think that of being a little bit more compassionate to ourselves like we're all our own worst critic and that's the hardest part and that's where having a coach comes in massively yeah and i think irish people are very good at school one of the questions i ask on my um check-in sheets is three things you're proud of this week irish people hate that fucking question yeah. Australi- australians americans love it yeah if they would eat if they were chocolate they'd eat themselves genuinely <laughs> irish people hate it they're like I have nothing. I was like, well, did you go for a walk? Did you go? Did you do your workouts? Did you tie your shoelace? Did you bring your daughter to school? Did you finish deadline at work? Did you literally wipe your own ass? Did you yeah. do anything? And they're kind of like, yeah, but they're not real fitness. Like, I didn't say fitness. I said, well, yeah. we be proud of this week. Um, Sometimes that's just making it to the next week. Or some people, that's just that. And I think some people, as you said at the beginning, it was like, you literally opened the curtains. You went for a walk. Yeah. You turned on the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could be the... That 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 was a win for me back back September. That was a win for me. Being able to get genuinely getting out of bed to go and have a shower was took all the energy for the day for me. Um, actually, one one of the best videos I've ever seen online is is Ben Carpenter's video on the spoon theory. I don't know if you've ever seen. That. I've seen. I, I I've seen it, but I can't remember. Yeah, it's like for some people. So everybody has like seven spoons throughout the day represent how much energy that you have. And for some people, getting out of bed takes three. And then for people who have kids, okay, so that's going to take another two. Let me count up how many that is. Then we have two left. <laughs> yeah, we got down to the back of the book. <laughs> yeah. Then they only have two spoons left to work on their health and fitness in comparison to someone that maybe finds it easy throughout the, the whole day. They have maybe four spoons to work on their health and fitness. And so it's that and how different tasks can take different amount of energy for different people at different times of their life. And so it's it's being a little bit more compassionate with yourself and understanding that even a small win is a win. For uh, not enough is a massive thing. People think, oh, I haven't done enough, or this isn't enough, or I, have, I haven't done anything this week. It's like you have, you're still here, one checking in, or two that uh, you incorporated uh, vegetables with every single meal. They're like, sure, isn't that normal? That's not something that, that's not me doing enough. It's like, yes, it is. You're making progress here. All we're looking for small little things. Nothing is not enough. You're making, you're, you're trying to push forward. Even just thinking about it is enough sometimes for some people. It's like, that's the first step for some people is like thinking about signing up for a coach. That's a positive. Reaching out and messaging someone for a little bit of help. The best thing I ever did was reach out and ask someone to help me get to therapy. That's, that's the first step that I took. And that was, again, someone could class that as not enough and then be like, I'm doing nothing and give up altogether. Or I can be like, okay, that's the first step. I'm taking tiny little steps here to build on it. And it's them small little things that are easier to implement. Like for me, rather than getting up and going to therapy straight away or with my health and fitness back when I was overweight, rather than focusing on having to lose 130 kilos, it was let's lose the first pound. Let's lose the first part of that. And so it's the same what I applied with therapy. It was like, okay, it's too scary to go to therapy. First, let's just ask my mom, but <laughs> let's ask my mom what it is. Or let's ask my mom to bring me and not tell me what it is. So make that first step as simple as possible. And it's the same with getting back on after having your takeaway at the weekend or going out and enjoying yourself. It's like, how can I make this transition into going back to doing what I was doing before a little bit easier? Maybe have a glass of cold water stuck in the fridge although i think if you just have a random glass of water in the fridge you're a little bit weird <laughs> yeah a little, a small little bit weird maybe have one of those fit foods meals ready so that you don't actually have to worry about cooking a meal you can just throw it in the microwave and for some people like 
they might be like, oh, it's process, whatever. It's helping someone get a small step back to where they are before. before. Yeah. Oh, if I hear any more of that on my Instagram, I actually might change genuinely cry my eyes out. Like, I'm so sick of arguing with these people online. It it does my head in. But I find the whole process, because I'm reading a book at the minute, and I know it's very the extreme element of it. It's very, very far right. And it's kind of talking about ultra processed food. It's I saw the program online on I think it was Channel Four, and I watched it. And it's by a doctor, and he tried the diet himself. So he went on an ultra processed food diet and put on X amount of weight. And then they they kind of put they hooked up his brain sensors and benchmarked it off when he wasn't on this diet compared to what he was. And there was kind of these different receptors had woken up because of the foods. Yeah. Now, watching that i was kind of like there's an element of a little bit of bias in this documentary because they're trying to scaremonger people so mm-hmm. people some people who may not have that kind of like wherewithal and say right hang on what's actually going on here like they'll be like well that means i can't have auto processed food because my brain signals and all this kind of stuff it's like yeah but if your diet is predominantly ultra processed food and you're not feeling great well then there's probably the issue and we can probably reduce that. So say if someone's having maybe three, four takeaways in a week, if you reduce that by one a week or two a week, that's still progress. That's still processed food, still enjoying what you like. Everything that we eat is processed. This fucking my wadi mix is processed. This yeah. this porridge that I just ate is processed. The coffee that you buy in the shop is processed. So if you don't want yeah. to eat anything processed, but well, the air is also processed in shops. It's reverted yeah. into us. So then we just stop breathing. Yeah, oh, there's so much to it. And even actually, so this is actually a question that I'd fire towards you for one, my coach's learning, but also maybe a little bit of confirmation. So I don't know, you've obviously spoken to probably a lot of gut health experts and stuff like that. But I do believe the research on gut health is that we know the gut changes according to these sweeteners or maybe processed foods or whatever is going on. However, we don't know what impact these changes actually have on our bodies. Correct. So yeah. we don't we don't there actually isn't enough. There isn't enough because it's such a new realm or a new kind of area of research. There isn't enough out there to give it a definitive link. A lot of the, the research that was done on sweeteners in the past was done on rats. Yeah. And that's where a lot of these kind of like I think the research said previously that it was kind of like, I don't know, 18,000 diet cokes or something like that. Yeah. The factor health. And now it's gone, the number has gone down. I think it's down to like, I think it's like 21 in a day or something like that, yeah. or 18 a day. And you're kind of like, well, if you're having 18 Diet Cokes a day, there's other issues at play. Yeah. So like people are very quick to write, it's Diet Coke's fault. It's Spartamine's fault. It's sweetness fault. It's like, well, sweetness can actually guide weight loss and help weight loss because you're reducing the calories from what you're having. If it's your only mechanism for having a drink or having, you have to have it to have something, then I would kind of like look at your coping mechanism. Does it impact the gut? There isn't enough research to say yes or no. And normally yeah. when people go was either a yes camp or a no camp. From my experience, I would say it's normally somewhere in the middle. Yeah. as It's like what kind of like the exercise is like with any nutrition thing. It's normally somewhere in the gray area of kind of like, it could be, it could be this. It's normally like, right, let's try and test it out a little bit more and try and get more definitive answer. So there's a lot smarter people than me on good health. Um, Dr. Gabrielle Fundaro is someone I would highly recommend people to. Vitamin PhD, I think she's called on Instagram. 
Um, there's a few other people that I've had on to talk about guts and stuff like that, but the research isn't definitive at all on it. Yeah. And so the confidence in people within comment sections and everywhere on Instagram making stupid videos saying how negatively it impacts your gut health comes across very silly in that regard. So I would be quite like you. And I think that's the Dunning-Kruger effect, if I'm wrong, could be the wrong name, where people that have very, very little knowledge in a a subject believe that they have lots. And then people who have quite a significant amount of knowledge in something believe that they have very little or else find it quite hard. And so my thing for that would be it's so funny that these people are 100% confident on these gut changes and what impacts have when not even the top researchers are 100% sure. And so that's so funny. And even with the processed food aspect, I don't know if you've seen uh, back in 2020, I did a challenge right at McDonald's for two weeks. Is actually initially how I got an all right following. I got up to 5K um, beforehand. And I ate McDonald's only for two weeks, but I ate within a calorie deficit and controlled it. And my cholesterol had actually reduced and I'd lost overall body fat. Which is funny because people would often comment underneath my comment section like, oh, eat McDonald's is going to increase your cholesterol. With the negative, kind of like, but McDonald's have. I've tr- I've tried to make improvements to their actual food, like yeah, and it's, it's that aspect of like. So the other aspect is the, the guy who did the super size me thing didn't control yeah. any sort of food measurements. He was just kind of eating whatever he wanted. I controlled my overall calorie consumption, and this isn't to tell people to go out and eat McDonald's every single day. It's something I actually highly recommend against because I was quite hungry and I found things quite difficult. However, it's to say like having one of these meals or that isn't that bad if I can go two weeks and have it and not fuck anything up and it's so funny because i was looking into research behind it after and it's like because i reduced my overall body fat and I reduced my overall body fat my health actually improved by eating mcdonald's and so as you're saying here even with diet cokes and stuff it's like by having these even if they do have a negative impact they're not going to be as much of a negative impact as maybe the person who has a significant amount of weight on them has and so with the the mcdonald's challenge in a case that someone is really really busy throughout the day and this uh, say McDonald's that they have helps them hit their protein intake or hit their calories today and not end up absolutely starving well then there can be positive aspects to it too and it's not all necessarily negative but when I had lost body fat uh, through the, the the research that I was kind of looking at and again I don't have any of these references I don't have any but I can probably go back um, and try and find them somewhere it was because I reduced my overall body fat my body actually got better at absorbing and digesting um, foods and because my body became a little bit more efficient off the back of it now again you're probably a little bit more of an expert on this side of things, but from my own anecdotal evidence, yeah. might not be scientific. There we go. That's what I found. But yeah, and, I, and it may be anecdotal, but it, like the big thing is, like if it works for you, it'd be interesting to see in a longer term. For sure, two weeks isn't often a long enough. No experiment length. Why I didn't either is because I would have been fucking starving. And so there's yeah. the negative aspects too. And I actually talked about this in the video. But it's just to counteract a lot of the typical narrative that people have because the typical narrative that people have is very black and white and so it's it's very as in mcdonald's is bad if you have this if you have this processed food you're bad and that you're going to affect up your whole entire body well actually it might be somewhere here in the middle where it's okay to incorporate it every once in a while and although if you eat it all the time you're going to end up very very hungry and there are other negative health outcomes off the back of it and so it's, it's kind of to balance that again i reiterate the point do not eat McDonald's every single day, please God, because some people actually just don't listen to what I'm saying and they think that I'm saying something else. I say it in all my videos, even actually in the last video that I made about me being in the car and not having a fucking kitchen to cook food and that sometimes it's okay to stop off and get a wrap. People didn't listen to that. I'm like, this fella is telling me to eat McDonald's every single day. Not the case. Please listen. People want to hear what they want to hear. Like if, yeah. I, if, I, if I do up the video clips for this, I'm fully going to say, oh, she said McDonald's every day. <laughs> And, and I then I'd be like, tag the fucker, slate the yeah. fucker. I'd be like, go after him. And I yeah, I was just saying, yeah, he said, don't exercise. That's also what he said. Yeah. 
fuck people at this stage right the opinions of others is something that i actually don't really give a shit about and this is another thing for coaches and people outside who are struggling with their confidence if i gave a fuck about people i wouldn't be here and uh, as in like give a fuck about the, all the negative comments that i do get and one of the things that helped me get over that was i looked up one of the most in- innocent famous people i could think of uh or the most i always say innocent i don't know if that makes sense to people outside of ireland essentially the nicest famous person okay. that you can think of I thought of Dermot Kennedy and I was like, right, he seems so nice. I don't even listen to his music. I clicked onto his page and I looked in his comment section. There was people saying, there was people going in on him. And I was like, how can you hate this guy? I don't even know him and I think he's the coolest guy ever. And it's like, if people think he's a cunt, they're going to think I'm a cunt. And there's nothing I can do about it. So I may as well just forget about it. But if you, th- it's exactly, I, I, there is, there is some, a certain term for that, that like, even if you look at, say, a musician, or an actor or an actress or a footballer everyone has an opinion on yeah. what that person is not everyone's gonna like that person you could say like i was watching the i'm i listen to peter crouch podcast on a wednesday morning it's literally my joy and first thing wednesday morning get out for a walk listen to him have a laugh and get a cup of coffee that's my wednesday mornings and i was watching his film last night on um on amazon prime and i knew a lot of it already but People had this predisposition of him when he was young, that he was tall, awkward, gangly. Like He got so much abuse for the way he looked. And he was struggling in his career. He was getting a lot of transfers. Then he went to Liverpool, didn't score for 18 games, right? Then what happens to coincide it, he bumped into Abby Clancy, his now wife. And what happens as soon as he met Abby? He got married and they like he started scoring goals and now he has Abby Clancy as his wife. So the whole thing is like we and he's become this because since he did the robot thing in I think it was oh six or the Jamaica game up to oh six, people bought into him like he actually has a personality. He's not just one of these like he did the robot, so I'm not gonna use the point of he did he wasn't a robot. Yeah. Um, but people bought into him as a human. They're kind of like, but there's, there's still people who say, oh, he's just a gangly piece of shit. But like he scored yeah. 100 Premier League goals or, or over 100 Premier League goals. People are like, I still know you use of football. Everyone's yeah. going to have an opinion on you. 100%. But and you also like- have to value their opinion to listen to it. And that's the biggest thing. I know there's certain things I could do on the podcast right now, or there's certain content I put up and people would DM me and say, X, Y, they shouldn't have said that. I was like, why? Yeah. They've no answer. Mm-hmm. yeah it's so funny because that holds so many people back and actually a lot of coaches as well and, and it's an aspect I want to try to get into a little bit more is a lot of coaches that we actually need out there helping people don't help people because they're so afraid of other people's opinions because they're the people that are overweight and very self-conscious about the way they look or about what people think about them or people who have bull- been bullied and don't have any self-confidence rather than a lot of the people that would be online already have that fault I don't know if I'd say false that's a false it is false yeah yeah yeah, yeah that false confidence and putting out a message that isn't correct or isn't true. And so because it's easy for them. So I put up, you were talking about this earlier. I was going to bring it up, but I forgot about it. Um, You mentioned something about you don't put up shirtless photos, right? Yeah. I put up a poll up recently and it was the second highest reaction behind uh, our curly whirlies overrated or underrated. (laughs) And anyone who says underrated, you deserve to fuck off. <laughs> um, people started talking about freezing them. I was like, why are so many people like, oh, it's a slimming club thing? Oh, right. I actually, I love my curly whirlies frozen. I was going to say they're It's a slimming club thing. And I was like, oh, they're like, oh, it makes you eat less. I'm like, yeah, because it makes you eat less because it pulls out your teeth and you yeah, have yeah. no teeth to eat. <laughs> um, but one of the things I put up was like, well, should PTs look, at, should PTs and nutritionists look a certain way? 
Now, I know if I asked that question two years ago, the answer would have been very different. But the answer was about 53% of people still believe that PTs and nutrition should look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I know that would have been a lot higher back about two years ago, three years ago, because we've got these incredible movements on body awareness and body acceptance, all these kind of things. But it was still interesting to see that in order for a PT or a nutritionist to be accepted or to be validated or to be seen to be worthy or worthy of someone's business, they need to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I found that interesting that it's still the case of kind of like, yeah, but that means a doctor should be healthy and not overweight. I was just going to say, then don't go to your GP, don't go to a doctor. That means an accountant needs to be good with money. I've met plenty of accountants who are awful with money. I'm kind of like, often it's kind of like what we think we should look like is projected onto other people. Like, I don't put up shirtless photos. I'm not your typical PT. I'm not the jacked PT, nor do I have any interest in doing it. I got comments. I got, I got, I think the biggest comment I got on Instagram was, I got called a prepubescent 13-year-old boy. <laughs> I was like, uh, at the time, it really <laughs> fucked me off. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I've got unbelievable comments like that as well. One of the best ones is like, uh, and this is kind of a positive one in a way. It's like, uh, I'd love to have you as my personal trainer. I really love you as a personal trainer because you're kind of fat and chubby like me, not like the rest of them. And I was kind of like, that's unbelievable. I just laughed. I laughed at that for about 10 minutes. I can't like, I think that's a side of me that helps me in a way. It's like, I can laugh at these things, but someone else might get that comment and that I could, especially a personal trainer that has so much emphasis on their body image. Like pretty much all my followers have never seen what my body looks like. Maybe with my jujitsu competition, something. Oh yeah, well, because I made a video on my on my jujitsu competition about losing weight on that. So maybe off that. But like because I don't put any emphasis on it, it wouldn't bother me. But if there's someone that had a load of emphasis on it, they're fucked. Like it's just it's I just found it interesting at the polo is kind of like and I think like even touching on that with the with the body sizing, something that I don't necessarily agree with. And again, I've spoken about person uh, to a lot of personal trainers about this, and even Brian Keane and, and other people, everyone has different opinions. I just stay at mine and I think people have an issue with that. But uh progress pictures being shared online. It's not something I agree with, not something I do on my page. And the reason I don't agree with it, I don't like it, and it's something that I've had since I was very young and tried to lose it myself, is a lot of people will compare the before picture to who they are before and automatically assume that there's something wrong with them when they might not actually even need to lose weight and might not be something that they have to do to improve overall health. But a lot of personal trainers use that because I know if I use progress pictures on my page and my group coaching or with anything, I'd probably triple my client numbers easily, 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 because it's something that people look at and like, go and get started because I want to look like this. But it actually creates such a negative body image because people are like, I look like that before picture. That means there's something wrong with me because that's that person before and that's them after. So I have to go and lose weight or I have to do this. Gets more buy-ins, gets more money. It's not something I agree with within the fitness industry. I actually have gotten to a certain point where I think Instagram needs to remove the fact that you can do that. I know that's not. What they're doing is if you put, say, if you put up a transformation. So I put up transformations on my clients. Okay. Yeah, so this is where I actually enjoy conversations like this because we're completely different. We'd be like seeing different views. Well, I'm, I'm, so I, and I, it's something that I'm still not comfortable with. So like I put it up for marketing purposes. Yeah, that's me being one hundred percent open and honest. Mm-hmm. Well, what I you had said there, sorry, what you, what you said there about kind of like, well, people can say this is me, so I'm worthless or something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. You could also have the other person who's like, right, this is actually telling a story, saying this is me and this is what I could achieve. Yeah. So you have there's always two like in order to have an opinion, you need to be able to argue, argue both sides. So when people are talking about extremes about sweeteners and stuff like, yeah, you're great at arguing saying that they're shite, but where's the argument of when they're good? So it's the same thing yeah. with progress pictures. 
they don't sit comfortable with me. Do I get clients to take them? Some clients. Most clients don't really take them. Mm-hmm. Because I genuinely deal with clients a lot on emotional eating. Mm-hmm. That's generally where my niche is. People who have come from cinema clubs, have struggled for years, don't trust themselves around food and eat emotionally. They're the clients I work with on a many basis. Then you've got the other clients who are literally like, they've got a wedding in 16, 20 weeks that want to showcase and want to show off their what their their progress or whatever it may be. Yeah. So does it sit well with me morally? Probably not. Do I feel they have a purpose? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do I feel people have a right to create their feed if they are triggering and getting triggered? Yes. And do I ever feel that Instagram owe a bigger responsibility on actually blocking some of the stuff? I believe yes. Yeah. See, this is the, these are the conversations I love, right? Because we can have a conversation here and discuss the positive negatives, but so many people are so afraid to put their opinions out there. And actually, this is probably why my Instagram has taken off and why I've gotten such a following is because people will either really like my message or really fucking hate my message. And for the people that really hate my message, it's not people that I would hang around with anyways. I don't really care. The people that really relate with my message is people that I want around me. And so for you here and the two of us to be able to have a discussion on positive negatives is super important. And it might come across like when I'm saying my opinion of like, this is, I don't like progress pictures. That's my opinion. I understand that's my opinion. I understand there's different opinions to it. It's actually very similar to a discussion that I had with another personal trainer who was putting up fat loss workouts. It was putting up a workout being like, this is a fat burning workout or whatever. And that discussion was like, I actually hate when people do that. I really don't like it. It's something that uh, my opinion shouldn't like shouldn't be done because it's telling people that you're going to lose fat by doing this certain workout. But then it came across and we had a discussion. And he was like, I post these videos, I post these um, reels or I post these workouts to try and get as many people into moving and exercise as possible. And if I have to trick them by saying that this is going to help them lose fat, I will do so because it gets people more moving. And then when they're moving, they'll actually start to enjoy it and fall in touch. So like, fair point. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting. That, like, obviously, it's going to impact bank balance at the end of it as well, if that's what yeah. it's happens. But like, there is, like, he, he, like, sometimes we can be very, very quick to jump assumptions of why that person is doing something yeah more often than not there is an agenda behind it like if you look at the, like the liver king he was promoting this bullshit for years and got found out after his drug test got revealed yeah um but he was promoting bullshit saying this is the i eat ancestral what the fuck that means yeah. uh, i'd rather eat normal um, yeah. but a lot of people can and as you said I, and it is something i definitely struggle with it is really something i struggle with yeah is getting the personality across because I've, I've, my partner said it, my mates have said it's like, you're very boom, boom, boom on your Instagram page. That's not the real you. So like, yeah. like, it's something that I just, I, I, when I have, when I've kind of dipped the toe into, I've never fully committed to it, but I have dipped the toe into kind of being myself and being my authentic self. I've normally got a bit of bite back and I don't know how to deal with that bite back. Because yeah. like you, I got bullied severely as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ready to face that. That's something mm-hmm. that I need to grow the fuck out of. But I'm also not ready to accept, to get past that stage yet. Yeah, that's that, and that's a stage that I was... I think, I feel like for me as well, because I'm younger, it's probably a little bit easier. Maybe immaturity in ways when I first started helped me get into it now. And obviously I've matured since, so I just didn't really care too much. But there's a couple of things that have been said to me. So one was from PDK fitness he's actually on instagram there as well and he was like speak to the camera how you'd speak to your friends or speak to people around speak how you'd speak to your friends and that gets you to be more normal that gets you to be more of yourself the other thing is like things from my jiu-jitsu coach so one of the things that he said to me was like play your game 
So, and this resonates, again, just these simple sentences. And it actually isn't even in the context of business or anything, but I just applied it to that. It's like before a jiu-jitsu competition, I'm coming up against a guy that might know all these certain moves that can choke me in certain ways. And I was so focused on what he was going to do. And he was like, play your game. Do what you are good at. Do what you want to do. Don't worry about what he's going to do. Because what he's going to do, he's going to do it anyways. And just focus on you and be a problem with that. And so that really, really taught me to, to play my own game. Because what this related back to for me was like, I don't want to get stuck in a certain way because people believe I should be or I should be this or I shouldn't curse online because that's just going to create internal conflict. And sometimes people are like, oh, I'm just going to be peaceful. I'm just going to stop conflict. I don't want to get any bite back. Or I don't want any of this. And they believe that that's being peaceful. That's not. That's being externally peaceful. That's that's pleasing everyone else. But the internal conflict is actually more dangerous for you or worse for you than the external conflict. And so actually being peaceful would be understanding there's going to be external conflict and then choosing not to do anything. I'm okay. I actually don't need to. That's fine. But what a lot of people do is they think they're being peaceful by not standing up for themselves and not doing anything. And that actually just creates internal conflict and therefore is not peaceful. And that's something I've taken massively on board with that. And and, and the, the way that relates to fat loss is like people will judge fat people for not going to the gym. People will judge fat people for going to the gym. Both both aspects of it. So whatever you do, people are going to, if you're not acting yourself online, people are going to be like, Shane Walsh is a robot. All he's here for his business and he doesn't really give a fuck, to be honest. If you're putting yourself out there online, you're going to get people commenting and saying, Shane Walsh has a personality that I don't fucking like and he's stuck to it. Just be the version of you that you want to be because then people's opinions are just, they're going to have them anyway, so it doesn't matter. And that's something that I always have to think back to because this gets, it gets worse. Fuck me, it gets so much worse. When I was at 5,000 followers, my hate, yes, I got it. I got it on a daily basis or a weekly basis, I get a message. Now I get three or four or five messages off the back of it. And if I say a bad word in a video, Jesus Christ, they try and come at me. I've had people with my McDonald's video threaten to come to my house and kill my whole family. Like, it gets that bad. Like, I'm like, holy shit. So if you don't know how to deal with it, you don't, that aspect of just doing what you want to do, it only gets worse. And so a larger following is actually going to be only detrimental to you. And I'd say that to a lot of people starting off. And again, I'm still learning as I go along. As you, I was bullied for ages. And so I clap back at people quite a bit. I will always try and defend myself and defend others. If I I'm see people... I go, I go. I'm yeah. like, I'm the going into the hedge. <laughs> yeah. And and this this... I would much prefer a balance between the two of those. Like a balance between the two of those would be very, very good. And it's just getting that. And I'm still learning as I go along. It's always something I say to people is like, fuck me, I'm 25 years old and I'm still picking up on these aspects. It's like, I might come back on a podcast in a year's time and change my view on absolutely everything that we've just spoken about. And oh, I've completely changed. Crazy. I've completely changed from where, this started in 2018, this podcast. I've completely changed my views on many, many different things. Like if you listen yeah. back to episode one, two, three, probably up the way to 50, probably didn't find my own voice until probably about 50. Like I yeah. find the podcast easier to view, get my viewpoint across that yes. video. I, f- I find it really easy to hide behind this. Yeah. But I find it harder to go up on camera and be like, blah, 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 blah. So like when I was on Carter Rourke's podcast recently, you'll see now there's more clips of the video of the podcast there. So what I'm going to have to look at right now, is there any way for me to maybe go over to Primal over in, over in, the north yeah. side to try and get that that content of right it just feels like a podcast yeah do it that way rather than me proactively sitting here in this fucking room and just going boom and it doesn't feel like i feel fine talking behind this but i don't yeah. feel fine talking to camera but if the camera is there and it's a natural conversation that might be the way to pivot it on a natural thing but as you said if i'm not ready for it now at what an eight and a half i'm not going to be ready for it for eighty five thousand yeah yeah um mm-hmm. but also like we were talking off air and Oshin has put a an idea into i was giving me an idea well i suggested something anyway about doing a course but when you first said that i was like imposter syndrome ramped up 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm speaking at IFS Friday and I haven't a fucking clue. <laughs> but you were fine at Elevate. Like I saw you at Elevate. It's kind of like you were fine at Elevate. <laughs> this this is the thing though. It's so funny because I asked one of the, I won't mention his name. I actually, I don't know if I'm going to mention the talk. I have this picture on the talk. I met, I went, I, to go to IFS last year, I think I paid like 900 or something like that because I, I, bought tickets late i think they're a little bit cheaper to buy them early and i bought the advanced advanced business pass and i went into one of the business groups and i was like i paid 900 euro to be at this talk let's listen to them let's ask a question and he was like oh question time ask and i was like how do you deal with imposter syndrome because it's the most annoying thing ever and he was like i don't think you deal i think it just happens all the time because actually i'm sat up here just talking absolute yeah and he's just i'm sat up here talking absolute shit and all of you are listening and i'm like fuck this guy is normal he thinks he's an ape exactly like i think i'm an ape and if he can do it i can do it genuinely that is the best learning that i took from that whole event so silly so stupid i went home and i was like i'm the same as every one of these other feckers that are here i can do it too and it's that self-belief when you get that and like with your nutrition course at the start you're gonna feel like a fucking fraud until one person it's like for example charging for your coaching program when i first charged someone for my coaching program i think i charged them like 50 euro for the week and when they paid that 50 euro i was like holy fuck, this person paid 50 euros. This, this coaching is worth it now. And then the next person, it wasn't so hard to be like, oh yeah, my coaching is 50 euro a week. It wasn't It wasn't as difficult. And yeah, so it's yeah. building that. Once you get one coach into your nutrition program or whatever it is that you're doing, once you get that one video that blows up, then you become that, then it's that. And once you get one coach to your nutrition program that really learns from it, you're like, fuck yeah, I have a good course. I really do have a good course. It's the same when I launched my group coaching. I didn't know if it was going to be good. I didn't know if it was going to be bad. I didn't know if it was going to fucking fail. I only knew after the first course it ran through and everybody was like, that was actually unbelievable. I was like, yes, it is 100%. And it's that building evidence. It, it Once you build that evidence, then it becomes easier. Another thing that I speak about often is if I can, if I can do this, I can do this and developing that if I can. So if I can speak in front of people at Elevate, I can speak in front of people at IFS. If I can teach people about nutrition on my podcast, I can most definitely teach about people about nutrition in a course. If I can go on jujitsu match and, and have a guy stand across me who wants to strangle me and kill me, I can get up and speak in front of 100 people at IFS or however many people are going to be there. And so develop that if I can, so that then you can do things that you think that you shouldn't be able to or that you can't and it's so funny that you know who said that at ifs because it's so obvious i think everybody probably knows who it is if you're if you're if you're a pt and you know and you um and you watch the content you know who it is <laughs> yeah and it changed my life even though it's so it's someone that paid 900 dollars to go to talking for someone to say that would probably be like that's the biggest waste of money in my life i'm like it's the best money i ever spent but you've got a business out of it now like yeah exactly that 900 pounds has made you x y or z but so like yeah it's been worthwhile um we could talk for fucking hours and we have <laughs> talked for hours already um but Oshin, thank you so much for for coming on where can people find out about you and where can people find out about the podcast uh so mulligans fitness on instagram on tiktok and the link to my podcast is on uh my instagram as well but it's just called i'm not supposed to be here um and the episode one is with my mom and the second one is going to be with my brother awesome thank you very much Roshin. thank yeah. you thanks so much Shane. thank you so much to Oshin for coming on to the podcast it's like it means the world when Oshin comes on for someone who actually has that energy that passion i think that's rare and i don't want Oshin to lose that. and i said that to him as well so hopefully you've enjoyed the episode with Oshin. if you have tag us up on your story give us a share give us a review give us a follow and i hope you guys have enjoyed it as always thank you so much for listening to the podcast